Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another Anatomy of Movie. Today we dissect Morgan, the Ridley Scott-produced sci-fi, uh, perhaps thriller, perhaps horror. We'll find out. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We're, we have Marissa Serafini here. Hello, everyone. And I'm Phil Svitek, and we're talking Morgan. That's right. Luke Scott directed this one, who is obviously of the Ridley Scott family. Yep, he's Ridley Scott's son. Uh, and like his, uh, like his father, we're, uh, we're going into the sci-fi with him. And you know what? For those of you joining us for the first time, number one, we assume that you've seen the movie, so obviously it will be very spoiler-filled. Th- uh, so definitely, you know, if you don't want to be spoiled, go check out the movie, then come back to us. Or if you just don't care, so be it. <laughs> You've been warned. We're going to spoil it. Uh, so let's start with, uh, as always, quick thoughts on the movie. You know what? I thoroughly enjoyed it. I've seen a lot of um, Ridley Scott's films, and then I, I knew he was a part of this film, you know, attached to it and whatnot. So I, I was thoroughly excited to go see it. I was happy that it wasn't as long as I was expecting it to be. And I think they, you know, they filled it with a lot of interesting questions that I think most people would have when it comes to artificial intelligence and the connection. I really liked how this film had the the whole theme of human connection. Is it actually good for you? Is it bad for you? And, they, you know, they really touched upon that. And overall, there's some awesome action in it that I wasn't really expecting. <laughs> so, overall, I enjoyed it. Yeah, to me... This, you know, I, I thought the trailers that I saw going into it didn't really prepare me for what this actually was going to be. I thought it was just, I thought initially I was going into like a Deep Blue Sea type of movie oh. that, where, where like, okay, here's Morgan. Well, I also thought it was more perhaps also like Lucy, you know, going into this. I joked about it that this is, uh, uh, this movie should be called Lucy. Um, because there it was about, you know, a human sort of transcending and, and whatever else. And in the trailers, they made it seem like, oh, she's capable of so much more. And I was like, oh, geez. However, <laughs> um, when I finally did see it, what I appreciate about it, it's, it, it's as if someone had this short film idea and then they really developed it into an hour and a half movie um, with a beginning, middle and sort of end. And the, and the end does have that sort of punchline, if you will, uh, uh, that short movies are especially known for and overall I, I enjoyed it and i thought as you said it did raise a lot of good questions um especially mostly because okay i don't think you know my biggest thing that i walked away with it wasn't that morgan was bad it's that we forced her to be bad we mm-hmm. kept pushing her and projecting ourselves onto her yeah and you know i liked that concept because we see you know Someone as as artificial intelligence, she wasn't like born to be bad. It's what they genetically made her up to be. It's what people treated her or it like, you know. So she learned that from other people, and she learned how to react in ways that a human would react because that's the only thing that she was exposed to. And I think it was really smart how they executed it. Yeah, a hundred percent. You know. And I was like the, the whole discussion of it versus she, you know, and that that, that was kind of like an ongoing thing, um, you know. And I think the biggest thing you walk away with is wondering of, okay, what really truly does define a, a, a life form? 
forget human beings, but just the life form in general, Mm -hmm. you know, Uh, just because you can create it. I mean, ultimately, she was an organism. It's just her thoughts were created artificially rather than, you know, like a a organically. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And also it also begs the question, uh, you know, what makes it right or wrong to call the shots of terminating it? You know, mm-hmm. like, why do they get a say? And, like, who, what regulations does she have to, you know, live up to to determine whether she lives or dies? Um, the, it's a lot of human questions. And, but, that, I mean, it begged a lot of questions, but I'm not sure if it answered all of them. Because I think that's what humans in general, just like the population itself, I don't think anyone's going to officially agree mm-hmm. with the decision. So no, I get it. Yeah. It's like whatever your opinion is. Yeah, you're 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 right in that sense. I mean, it's it's basically like you know, with a criminal, do you give them uh, their whole life in jail, or do you uh, give them the death penalty? Mm-hmm. And who ultimately decides that? You know, um, and obviously in this case, we open up the movie on a very brutal act. By the way, whoever uh, the, the cinematographer for this, um, Mark Patton, I gotta I gotta really shout him out. I thought this was some of the best camera work i've seen every shot to me was very interesting right from the opening mm-hmm. get-go um where we're kind of watching that security footage and it's just right off the bat very brutal um you know we're kind of obviously that that's an act of true violence and if you don't it, you know if you're kind of going to like is you know i don't know who this is but if this was a person you could make that argument well do we give her life or do we give you know give her the death penalty Mm-hmm. Or again, something else. But she would go through the judicial system, not actually like, oh, well, it doesn't have actual feelings, so we're just going to terminate it. Yeah, um, I, I liked the use of the cameras, um, especially the way how they introed everybody and just like the audience and whatnot. It already puts everyone in a very uncomfortable position and feeling, and it kind of like conditioned the audience to not trust Morgan already. And then as we slowly learn and watch throughout the film, you're like, okay, should we root for this character or should we not? We know what she's capable of, but do we, like, allow her to still keep going on the way that she has been? Yeah. Uh, But, again, the interesting part, too, is, like I said, because the way the trailer made it seem that she would just have, like, these supernatural powers and whatever. Mm. Um, The things that she was capable of weren't really that... I mean, to me, any human was capable of all of that, right? Whether physically through movements or, uh, you know, sort of the thinking or not thinking uh, and whatever else, right? right. So it, she she wasn't special. She wasn't like a robot that could fly around or control, you know. I, I mean, she, she, she could read into people's thoughts and she could to a degree control electricity uh, a little bit, but it wasn't, it wasn't done to an extreme sense of it. Very true. She, she was capable, probably had more than regular human strength would for an artificial intelligence. What I was more surprised is that, like, this creature, this being that they created, was allowed to have what it seemed more human emotions than I was expecting it to be. And if we've come a just a long way in cinema in general where artificial intelligence has... Um, you know, developed over the years. I'm just trying to think back to AI, artificial intelligence, the you know, movie Spielberg. Itself. Yeah, that movie where the main question was like, can this have a real, genuine human emotion, mm. even though it's fake? And then this one is like, yeah, she has all these regular human emotions, and that's the problem. 
So it just the evolution of where, uh, like where AI came from to now. Um, I was more surprised, and I didn't expect that in this film. Mm-hmm. We have Zach in the booth, and Zach does our sci-fi weekly news show here on Popcorn Talk. And I want to go to you, Zach, because I, I, as I talk about it, there's an interesting thing that I see where you, you take a movie like The Giver or perhaps the Divergent series, and with humans, we try to rid them of all emotion whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have that part on sci-fi and then the the other half of it we take all these machines and try to give them every single possible emotion uh and it just seems like a weird uh trying to meet in the middle in the weirdest of ways um and i want to see if you guys ever thought about that and if you haven't at least what your what your initial thoughts to that kind of notion is so sorry the idea that like ai is either on a one side of the spectrum or another regarding how much emotion they have. Just, just none or all. No, just the idea that um, more of like the fact that in sci-fi, it's just interesting to me that uh, in dystopian uh, films, we try to rid human being. The, the way to solve like all war is to rid human beings of all emotion, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have the other side of sci-fi where it's like we, we fear um, we we keep trying to make artificial intelligence have emotion because it'll make it make it more like us uh yeah i mean (laughs) i guess it's two schools of thought from from scientists uh in terms of how you approach the idea of humanity and is it what and and the question of what makes us human which Mm -hmm. is something which is i think like at really the the question at the core of i think most science fiction is what is humanity and what is being human and how does that affect the world around you? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think most most people land on emotion has a lot to do with it, yeah. one way one way or the other. Which, by the way, uh, there's, if you get what is it, movies with Mikey or something like that, he did a great Interstellar episode that I th- that actually really blended the idea of um, emotion and science combined together. That I thought it was really interesting. Uh, I'll, I'll have to check it out. I think that the idea of like trying to meet in the middle with those two, I think it's that so many people are afraid of what they don't know. You know, like they fear the unknown. And I think the whole concept of trying to add humanity into objects, into you know technology, is the only way that humans can maybe understand technology more and where it's going and where how it that itself is evolving. So I think it's just people's why we do that is just to bring ourselves on like the same playing field just so we know how to navigate the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's again, it's, it's very interesting. And then, yeah, I just joke about conversely, you know, we try to figure out other humans' emotions, but we can't. So we're like, well, why don't we all just be emotionless? If it solves problems, maybe. <laughs> Sometimes emotions get the best of us, and when you're emotional, you don't make the most rational decisions. So if you take away the emotions, maybe something can actually get done. Well, hopefully everyone here has seen The Giver and, and sees what non-emotion... Like, that's every dystopian movie starts with, oh, the, we needed to get rid of emotion in order to uh, save humanity. And they're like, oh, maybe we should... Uh, Equilibrium, that's a Christian Bale movie. It's actually... Sort of good. It's kind of like along the lines of the Matrix, but um, same thing. They got rid of all art because art creates emotion. Oh, that's uh, terrible. Very terrible. <laughs> um, so with a you know with a movie like this, uh, and then the nice twist is ultimately, you know, here's Kate Mara's character Lee Weathers, who 
you I don't I don't know about you, but I thought she was a human being the whole time, just t- detached of all emotion. And then the t- obviously the twist is that she's an AI too, who yeah. ends up being superior to Morgan. I sl- I figured it out near the end, but I did think about it the whole time of the film because I realized she's super stoic. And she's the only sane, rational one thinking right now. And the fact that when other people were showing her affection, she didn't. Mm-hmm. The fact that we saw her first interaction with Morgan, and Morgan's still like behind the glass case, and Morgan puts the hand up, and she, she didn't put her hand up to return that affection. It's like there's something about Lee Weather that like maybe she's just trying to be businesslike and trying to just do her job. But there has to be something, the reason why she didn't show any emotion in anything. And, like, I I knew pretty much, like, that thought was already early in my mind. But then it was at the end I figured it out before, like, maybe ten minutes before the movie ended. I was like, yeah, she has to be one. Well, two things come to mind. Number one, it also explains why she was, like, the world's worst kisser. And was not... <laughs> no, because, you know, that he was going for genuine... As mm-hmm. drunk as he was, he was going for genuine, like, affection. Yeah. Uh, and, again, there's that fine line as you're watching it. You're like, well, she's just, number one, playing hard to get. Number two, she understands, like, this guy just wants a piece of ass. Pretty much. He's known her for, what, less than a day. Yeah. So, less than an hour, more so. So she's, you know, you can consider her more of a respectful woman. And then, again, in hindsight... Well, that's because she has no emotions, and even she wouldn't be into it regardless. See, that I didn't even really think about <laughs> you <gotta> go back. <laughs> at now, that moment. <laughs> secondly, again, the interesting tie-in, uh, for me, right? I'm not cra- Ridley Scott directed um, Blade Runner, yes? I'm not making that up? Yes. Okay. Thank God. Pretty uh, sure, yes. <laughs> uh, so, well, it's interesting because the, for years, the whole notion of is Deckard um, an android is you know it's just been debated on on and on Mm -hmm. this is kind of weird a slightly different version of that because you have an ai hunting ai in some way except we figure out that yes kate morris lee weathers is actually an ai Mm -hmm. so it's like it it just gives us that answer that the blade runner didn't interesting connection what i think like really scott does even though we know this movie is not directed by really scott but he had his hands in it um what Ridley Scott does so well is kind of repeat his own stuff, material, in a different way. <laughs> like, he pretty much takes the same story but, like, paints it a different color. And you're like, yeah, we kind of knew because we know your style. Um, but I don't really mind it. So uh, I know, like having seen Blade Runner and, like, other just AI movies in general, I could already infer that M- Morgan and Lee Weathers was pretty much... A, you know, like a more advanced or just a better version no. of what Morgan was. Yeah, and you know, in terms of the setup, I, you know, number one, they go go to the most decrepit house I've ever seen. Yeah, um, you know, so homely, I guess. <laughs> things were falling apart. Yeah. Uh, well, it, you know what? It kind of showed that they put more effort their everyday effort into Morgan instead of the personal life. They cared more about their, the science and the project and their work more than their personal life. I would agree. Um, you know, and, and, and I, did, I did like that because, again, it, it just kind of combined that genre where it's, hor- it's horror, it's thriller, it's sci-fi. You don't kind of fully know, um, you know, and, and you don't know how far into the future it is. Like, you know, I thought in some ways, like, this could be just present day. 
and that's what I appreciate a lot about it in terms of having that sort of setup. The timeless. Yeah. Um, I like that too because I noticed there wasn't any like time slate or a certain date that would, you know, put a time stamp on this. So you could watch this at any time of year and still kind of be relevant. But I like the fact that there was only like two locations and we didn't really have any other outside externals, you know. Uh, Except for the lake. In the lake, you know, but like. <laughs> that was a destination. Two, two major like locations throughout the whole film, just pretty much. That the the contrast between what is human and what's not. Um, that I liked how that didn't really like manipulate us to think something. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and you know, in terms of the one of the locations, right? That's where Morgan is kept in this, um, you know, this underground thing, whatever box. you want to. Oh, yeah, box, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, and again, she has that wherewithal to be like, well, you know, I did something wrong, so the fact that they're punishing me, like I. You know, I can't really be upset at it. I can only be upset at myself for having done it. Yeah. And the fact that, like, she had that self-awareness that she did it and she was wrong and she actually, for the most part, generally felt remorse about it. And I was like, that's a human emotion. Um, She's experiencing human things. And the whole question if this is a she or if it's an it, it, it really plagued the audience. Like, do we root for this person or do we not? Yeah. Um, speaking of the one person that like, you know, you're kind of wondering, do I root for Kate Mara? Do I not? Um, when Paul Giamatti comes in, which by the way, is there any kind of tie into the name Dr. Alan Shapiro? Um, I mean, that I don't know. I recognize the name, but it's not from this movie. I was like, I've heard that before. Zach, is there a dig into the Alan Shapiro somewhere in there into, uh, you know, in terms of what it would mean. I believe we lost Zach. Yeah. He's in thoughts. We may not. Um, but in, I, I do want to talk about him specifically because in terms of the interrogation scene, uh, you know, I mean, again, he was trying, you know, I don't know how these personality tests are supposed to go necessarily, but I feel like he was digging a little bit deeper than perhaps he would on a human being. And it was like, like, you know, he kept saying, there's no right or wrong answer. It was like, no, you're kind of, you're setting her up. Because you think there's a right answer and a wrong answer. And right. you're projecting that. His, he was a frustrating character. Um, like, you can tell, even just at the beginning, like, he didn't really want to be there. But it was his child, so he had to. Um, for a psychology test, I'm like, what kind of psychology test is this? Because... His character seemed very manipulative of the situation to try to get her angry to the point where she would latch out and actually give them a validated reason to terminate this project. And But that dialogue scene, which was like 10 minutes long, um, fantastic. And that was a key pivotal scene that um, director Luke Scott read that really made him want to do this film mm. just because of the psychology, psychological test. Yeah, I mean, the, the best way I can kind of describe that scene, you know, it's as if if I took a hot coal and pressed it against you and was and I was like, hey, does that make you upset? And you're like, yes, don't do that. And I was like, oh, yeah, does that make you upset? And you're, and then eventually, if I, if, I, if you, you told me to stop multiple times, then, yeah, you're going to lash out. That's just, you know. Yeah, he was like rattling the animal in the cage. And I was like, oh, this is not going to end well for you. And neither did it. Uh, it didn't. I, I like that whole 
bite in the neck. As nasty as that was, I was like, yeah, you had it coming because you were being a dick. <laughs> uh, but I did enjoy the scene. And what they, this scene was so long in dialogue and whatnot. They had to film it over two days. But every shot that they took, they did that whole dialogue scene like one shot. Mm-hmm. And um, Paul Giamatti and Anya, um, who played Morgan, she said that um, filming that scene because they did it in just long takes. It was it, it was like an acting class for her because it felt like a play that they just had to keep conversing for ten minutes, constantly over and over, over and over again. I was like, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, that was very uh, again the shot wise and everything. That was such a very interesting scene. Um, and it did feel like a play, but in, in a good way. Uh, and that's what I applaud this movie on, you know, the fact that they let these scenes just sort of breathe, um, and it wasn't that pace, and you did kind of have to form your own mind about certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the visuals of the lake, the deer, um, she punched the deer. Oh, she... She bit a human, she but punched the deer. snapped the deer's neck. Um, sound design, what... Um, I think the cinematography for the dialogue scene was also great because you saw that shot at the beginning where they're sitting on opposite tables, but like throughout the progression of the the conversation, it, the camera's just going farther into them, and then it ends on like close-ups of both of them, and it's like building that intensity to that moment uh, where she kills them. <laughs> yeah, and everyone said, "Hey, don't do it." Don't go in there. Yeah, I was like, we, we were trying to protect you, dude. And you're the one who wanted to go into the room, so. Which is a great life lesson in general. When people tell you, don't, probably shouldn't do that, try not to do that. Yeah, when scientists, a bunch of scientists, multiple scientists tell you to don't do it, you probably should listen. Yeah. Um, okay, one of the one of the other big things that we have to talk about is, so there's Amy... But then there's also, quote-unquote, mom. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as we find it, like, she holds Amy more dear than, quote-unquote, mom. mom. And I want to kind of get your perspective on that. Because that was interesting how she was projected. You know, the fact that she even recognized anyone as mom. Even though, obviously, it's not. It's just that the person that really ultimately created you. Right, and that was another thing that surprised me, just like the the more humanistic aspects of what they made Morgan out to be, associating people as her own family, um, like a normal human, quote-unquote, would. I like that in the fact that she tried to have a relationship with mother, and you can feel like the mother mom was like actual had real humans because she real human emotions because she was human but she felt distraught towards morgan but morgan like was trying to reciprocate that love and i did like amy though her her character was cool and i was rooting for amy so hard because i was like okay this is morgan's um kryptonite her own her one weakness and amy i was so hoping amy would be the one taking out morgan yeah, well. I was I was waiting for the whole movie because she had the gun the whole time. She was the only one who could have taken out Morgan, who who could get that physically close to Morgan, sneak up on her. Well, not really sneak up, but like actually take out Morgan, good and proper. Well, it would require that, right? So even if that happened, then Lee would have to take out Amy regardless, because as you know, she had to clean up the entire mess. Mm-hmm. That's what she was ultimately sent to do. Yeah. And everybody had to die, you know? And so here's the thing. If 
it, it works one of two ways. If if Morgan kills Lee, then she is the superior AI, and then that proves something. And you know, I just don't. Yeah, I just don't. And then if if Amy kills Morgan, then the whole kind of punchline of the whole ending is gone. Of Lee, yeah, agreed. So, um, yeah, um, so. Interesting, but not what they were going for. Yeah, I was rooting for Amy because she was like arguably the most likable character in the whole film. She she was the one like you just wanted to be best friends with, and you fell for her. And I I really wanted her to live in the end. She got pushed in the lake. She got shot in the head first. Well, that too, and then fell in the lake. Uh, Yeah, uh, you know. uh, Let's see. Uh, you know, one of the things... So when you move, make a movie like this, um, you know, obviously it, it kind of becomes close quarters in that regard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, you really end up bonding. And I think it shows on... I, I think it shows on screen the bond that uh, the scientists that were supposed to have and then uh, Lee kind of being detached from it. I thought that worked really nice. I liked it too. And like, you know, I believed the scientists... I believe people who work on a project for so long don't want to give it up or be like they have a hard time terminating a project in something that they love. But when you add Morgan to it, the, just the idea that this is someone, a potential person that they could love, um, made it conflicting, which I liked, and I think they did well. Yeah. Uh, and the only one missing from that dinner was Morgan. Morgan. I I did like the people like all all the scientists in that tight knit group because it did feel like a family. And yeah. They all looked out for each other until yeah. Morgan turned on all of them. Yeah, and that's why again for me I'm reminded of Deep Blue Sea because it had a similar type of feel. You know where they mm-hmm. were in Oceania, whatever it was called. It was, they were in the middle of the ocean. They all they had was themselves. Yeah. Because um, it also didn't seem like these guys went anywhere. You yeah. know what I mean? Not even to like the grocery store down the street. Uh, they just literally just stayed there, and if they needed food, uh, our, our chef would just go off and hunt. That's what it seemed like, just in the yeah, middle of it, nowhere. You know, they they had their own you know campsite or, or you know their their own setup for living. So I definitely believe that, and even at the beginning of the film, I believe in like the first voiceover we hear is that these people have been working on this project for years. But they're so close to each other, who knows how far off the project they went. And there you set up the audience, be like, okay, so now realizing all of them are like very close with each other, like they could have completely gone off the rails long ago. So how messed up is Morgan, really? Yeah. Um, there you go. Anything else about the story that you want to touch upon before we move on more of the production and factual side of things? No, nah, I think we got it. It was a good hoodie. It She's, was. I don't know if that style is hers or they gave it to her. No, what but, I what I liked about the hoodie, uh, Anya Taylor Joy said that she actually got to keep that hoodie and she wears it all the time. She said it was very comfortable, so I'm like, I don't blame you. Um, what I liked about the hoodie was that the fact that it was gray, so we couldn't tell if she was good or bad. Mm-hmm. So like either white or black and whatnot. So she was neutral. And well, Lee, the, she she wore white and black, right? When yeah. she had that coat. She had a lot of black on, too. Yeah, yeah that, she, you know, the uh, women's pantsuit type of thing. Yeah, the business suit. And the very short hair, which I thought, you know, I was, but it kind of makes <laughs> sense because it makes her more, I don't know, 
more machine, more military like, you know, short hair, shorter hair and whatnot. Oh, I worker. Yes. Um, so this shot in Northern Ireland of all places. Beautiful. Uh, it looked beautiful. That lake looked beautiful. I did. Uh, definitely looked good and it had that, you know, it had that nice horror type feel, <laughs> even though it was daylight of all things. Um, it was, looked, you know, like the cinematography, it looked pretty, you know, when they're out in the woods and whatnot. But like, what I liked was that, that the coloring of it is like greenish tint, grayish, saturated. Yeah. Um, and even like when we got out of the box building that Morgan lived in, like when we went to the house that even like drabbed itself, you know, that too. And it also, it was a nice, as much as we're talking about technology, there was the whole idea of predator versus prey, right? And go back mm-hmm. to the hunting side of it. You know, he had the gun and he would shoot things and that that, that was dinner. Um, so in this regard, Lee versus Morgan, right? Predator versus prey. And you yeah. ultimately find out who is the predator and who is the prey. Uh, so it kind of just as much as we want to try to get away from nature through technology, I think it displayed that quite nicely that, you know, uh, the patterns of nature repeat themselves wherever you go. Um Editing-wise, uh, Laura Jennings, who did The Edge of Tomorrow as well, uh, and a bunch of other ones. Um, no more for the visual effects like Pan, uh, Skyfall, John Carter. Edge of Tomorrow. I was like, the, the, that was a great film, too. And the editing. That was a yeah, very underrated yeah. movie. Yeah. I just watched Edge of Tomorrow this past weekend. It was great. Um, I love that movie, and I mm. think the editing was great. Uh, I, I liked how this film, it wasn't like, erratic fast pace that you can kind of get in sci-fi to in the action part but it was very straightforward very linear which i like um i don't think there was any moment where i was like overwhelmed the one question i did have was every time you saw like camera footage of morgan a lot of times it would like have that static and i don't know if that was like a manipulation thing that every maybe the cameras were tampered with with the staff, I and mean, we know that well, we know Amy, Amy turns always off. turn off cameras, but I don't know if that was like, oh, they cut out this footage just so you couldn't see it, or if that that was just yeah. maybe they just need better cameras, you know? <laughs> uh, they have artificial intelligence, but but they need better cameras. Um, the music I, I I added to the eeriness of this all, uh, Max. Uh, Richter, Into the Forest, Black Mirror, Leftovers, and Taboo. Um, you know, I haven't really heard much of his name, but uh, but I Those are, can, you know big big names, big projects, big projects. Um, I I thought it worked well, you know, for the for the movie that we had. Right, Eerie. I always noticed the music when Morgan was by herself in the mm-hmm. room, um, and the, there was moments after like Morgan would have a serious conversation with like either one of the staffs, and she. You know how we always talk about music sometimes manipulates the audience to feel a certain emotion. But they always played the music with Morgan. Well, I think, too, it gave us, because we're left wondering what she's thinking about, um, and in some sort of weird way we're projecting our own emotions onto Lee, even though she clearly doesn't, at the end, she doesn't have any, so it's a false projection. Yeah. Uh, but with, with Morgan, the music kind of dictates, okay, what is she, tr- what is she feeling? Mm-hmm. You know, because we know that she's supposed to be able to feel, or at least that's that's the hope. And so that music kind of, yeah, as you said, yeah, dictates where it's going. 
Uh, and I don't think it ultimately gives us what she actually is thinking, but it's, it's, it's that notion of there's a process there. You know, she is mm-hmm. thinking about it, and she herself perhaps doesn't even know. She's feeling and whatnot. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, that this might actually go back to editing a little bit. I think the music was well done for the car chasing at the end that led up to that awesome fight. <laughs> so I think the editing was, like, really well done in that fight because that was raw and gritty. And, like, hand-to-hand combat that's, like, actually well done done and well executed that we don't really see from two females in television in movies in general and they got like beaten up bloody (laughs) like holy crap that turned uh that definitely turned violent that's why they got uh, an r rating certainly yeah and i wasn't expecting that and that was a nice surprise watching that um well i was i mean i thought for sure lee was dead i mean that that to me is the ultimate surprise you can't and now I understand it's because she's ultimately an artificial intelligence, but to, to have something literally go through to you. To be impaled by, like, a tree trunk. And that was what, that was the thing that um, made me realize. I was like, oh, right, yeah. Because when we saw her appear back on the lake at the end um, and appear behind Morgan, I was like, no human could survive that, could, could survive that car crash and an impalement. And still walk around and be fine, completely fine. And I noticed, like, all the time she kept getting beat up, Lee kept getting beat up before even that car chase. I was like, dude, I'd be limping like no other. Like, any human would be limping. And she was, like, totally fine. So that that was that slow progression. I was like, she has to not be human because no human could withstand that pain. Um, so yeah, that was the moment that I was like, yeah, she's totally an AI. <laughs> well, you weren't wrong. Um, and obviously we get that little sort of, uh, yeah, whatever, the, surprise, the surprise ending. ending, if you will, of like, yeah, it's, it's the explanation. It's the Scooby-Doo explanation of like, here's what you saw. Here's, we're now going to explain it to you. Mm-hmm. Um, all in all though, I, I didn't mind this movie. Did I love it? Perhaps not. However, when you look at the box office, when you look at the cinema score, when you look at the, the Rotten Tomatoes, I thought. It got so much heat, undeservedly. I didn't think it was, I thought it was a decent movie. Right. I didn't think it was bad. I think it was a pretty good, solid sci-fi movie. Yeah. Especially, and, she was shot, you know, cheap, $8 million. Yeah. Um, very low budget for this film, but looking at it, it looks low budget. There wasn't, like, big explosions. There wasn't big special effects. It was just a story of people interacting with each other. And... I mean, it's unfortunate that it, you know, didn't garner a lot of money or what they projected it to be, but I don't think it deserves, like, such low ratings. Like, 43% of Ryan Tomatoes, that's rotten. Very rotten. And C-plus for a cinema score. I mean, there's movies that just suck and get a B, B Mm B-minus. This, this, okay, give it a B-minus if if you're really so inclined, but... C plus. I, I don't think it's a C plus. I wonder why it's so low. Uh, maybe they were expecting like a Ridley Scott movie. He just, you I think know, it's produced the trailers. It. Yeah. I, I think it's the trailer. The trailers set you up like, because in the trailers they set up where okay, oh shoot, Morgan's out, and then we we go we cut to the alarm and the, re- the the lights go out. It's flashing red, so it's like oh we're in a state of emergency, and boom, we got to go out and get this person. This, uh, you know, as we talked, that doesn't happen 
until like the last 20 minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. So that's not what this movie was about. And I think people went into it with that notion. And, uh, you know, uh, oh, uh, so Zach, do you want to explain the Watson trailer? Or do you want me to just uh, try to summarize it? Um, I mean, it's basically uh, what happened is uh, they, the, the producers approached IBM and had uh, they fed the they fed the entire movie into the into Watson, the supercomputer, and had it analyze the data that it saw in the movie, which included uh, facial features. So, like whether it thought it was a happy scene, a sad scene, an intense scene, an angry scene, and decide what it thought should be in the trailer, mm-hmm. uh, and, and then uh, it fed that into an animator. And this is where the limits started to come in. It couldn't actually cut the trailer itself mm-hmm. but it was able to select scenes and say this is these are the pieces that should be in the trailer okay. that should go together yeah and we, we watched it ahead of time and uh you know we don't have to play it now you, you guys can kind of do a quick google search for that um but you know i i thought if, if you guys do watch it it's a lot more reflective of what the movie is mm-hmm. especially if you know i assume you've seen the movie so you guys know uh and had it done that, you know, I think I think there's a couple of changes that could be made in that trailer, but I actually don't think it's that bad. And, um, you know, it's tough to say, is it more enticing? Would that have gotten me to go? Who knows? Oh, it, uh, that mo- that trailer's made me ten times more interested in, in seeing the movie than the originals. There you go. Luckily, we've spoiled everything for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, I think the the thing with the the Watson trailer, it reflected more on the human emotions and that human connection that people could easily relate to in any film, and it doesn't even have to be sci-fi. But I think the fact that this movie is categorized under sci-fi, there's an already premeditated expectations of what we want to see in a film. We mm-hmm. want to, and if it has to do with artificial intelligence intelligence we want to see what it's capable of and therefore we already know via the regular trailer that it's capable of danger if we let it out it could cause more harm and we got to stop it now and i think that's the only premise that they wanted people to go see for the sci-fi aspect rather than the human emotion connections and that theme the humanistic themes underlying all of that people would more see a murdering you know artificial intelligence with some action rather than a humanistic emotional yeah. movie. So, what we on uh, Sci-Fi Weekly decided is that it, whatever whatever you thought about the Watson trailer, feeding a movie about an AI uh, run amok into an AI, not a good idea. Yeah. Yes. It's like, what is it going to learn from this movie? Um, I agree with you there. Uh, any other things that you want to touch upon before we wrap this up? Um, the, the fighting scene, we talked a, a little bit of, about that, but, uh, Kate Mara and, uh, Anna Taylor Scott, they actually, this f- movie was filmed in like five and a half weeks, so it was a pretty short, but they spent the whole, they spent two weeks before filming, um, pra- learning the choreography and practicing the moves and, and, you know, just the physical training of it, but then they shot all the dialogue scenes and then they filmed the action scene, the fighting scene at the end, but, um, during all the dialogue scene shootings of the regular days, they were always constantly, you know, practicing the moves. So by the time it came to the fighting scenes, they had it down pat. Um, I think it was really awesome. And that was one of the things that Luke Scott sold the, you know, the females, the 
actresses to be in this film is like we're gonna have an awesome fight scene that no one really sees from two women and it's gonna be done better than most films have it yeah they played it overall pretty wide i mean more like mediums rather than full full wides but uh they stayed on the action for the most part you know i normally would have like 600 cuts or whatever uh, i'm just throwing out numbers versus this was probably let's say like 300 Mm-hmm. You know, so like half of what you would normally get. And again, I'm just throwing out numbers to make that point. I don't actually know what the cuts were. Yeah, no. Um, but I liked watching it. It was cool. It was visceral. And I think the sound design in it were pretty cool because you can hear, you know, punches being land, kicks being thrown. Um, I liked it. It was cool to watch. And I think it was very well done. Absolutely. And I wasn't expecting that in this film. There you go. Well... Uh, for me, it was a it was a good, pleasant surprise of a movie, and you know if there's nothing if you enjoyed it, let us know. If you didn't enjoy it, let us know why you didn't enjoy it. I'm, I'm very curious. Uh, if you did enjoy it, please also get your other friends to see it. You know, and tell them about us. It always helps. Now, you know, don't worry. We've done other movies in the past too, so plenty of anatomies to check out. Uh, as I always recommend, you don't have to watch every single episode we do, but for the movies that you see, definitely check out back in with us and uh, and see. Yeah. Um, on behalf of at Serafini TV. That's right. At that Zach Wilson, who also hosts the uh, the Sci-Fi Weekly News Show, definitely check him out on that. And uh, if that's not nerdy enough for you, he also produces our Marvel Movie News Show here on Popcorn Talk as well. Uh, next week we've got Sully coming up. And uh, now we're getting into Oscar season, so we'll have a lot more of those types of movies. So we look forward to that. In the meantime, uh, thank you, and until next time, bye. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the rest of the Anatomy of a Movie staff, we would like to thank you for listening and subscribing to the show. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email or tweet us. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been Anatomy of a Movie. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.